This is Doray Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 140. The episode all about building six and seven figure businesses. Lego get em. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What it do, BTM tribe? Welcome back to another episode, a new installment of the Before the Millions podcast, the last installment of the podcast here in 2019. We are recording this episode here on Christmas Day and releasing this episode here on Christmas Day. So Merry Christmas. And I'm excited because at the end of the year, it's time for a lot of us to have a fresh start, to start up on some first time goals, to implement some goals that we may have fell off on during the year. And now we're super excited about getting back into that stuff. So it's always a great time. Spirits are high and it's the best time to take action on any and everything that is in direct alignment with your lifestyle design vision. With that being said, Today, we are talking to Mr. Kier Weimer. Kier is a real estate entrepreneur who has built multiple seven-figure businesses, so multiple million-dollar businesses. So he's currently hitting his stride, and he's on his rinse and repeat process building business after business. And Kier started off as an agent. And believe it or not, his first year in real estate, he got zero deals done. And I think he went in debt like 30 or 40 grand. I know he says it on the show. And I was just like, dude, like a lot of people would have quit after that. Like imagine just going into debt a whole year and not making a single penny from what is supposed to be your profession. That can drive a lot of people crazy. That can steer a lot of people in a different direction. That can put a bad taste in your mouth to where you completely think that real estate is a hoax. But Kier stuck it through. So we'll talk about how Kier was able to gather 30 listings worth over $30 million in 12 months. We'll talk about why Kier pursued higher education. And I'll just give you guys a hint now. It was for the networking and how he partnered with his professor to acquire currently a $250 million portfolio. We'll talk about how to go from zero to 10 million in sales. And of course, we'll get into Kier's story. We'll talk about his time incarcerated. Kier was in prison for the better part of five years due to a tragic accident. We'll talk about a creative financing deal that Kira did to kick off his investment journey and purchase his very first waterfront resort. We'll talk about why maybe brand building and a personal brand may be the very most important thing that you should be focusing on in your business come 2020. So 
it's a jam-packed episode. And just in case you're wondering, since Kira is a realtor, is this episode just going to be valuable for realtors? Well, I'm here to tell you that I am no realtor and it's been super invaluable for me. I've learned so much from the way Kira processes his thoughts to the way he builds his businesses. So there's so much to be taken away from this episode. And if you're not a realtor or an agent or not looking to become one, this is still one of those episodes that you can find one or two or even three things to implement in your real estate investing journey. So with that being said, if you're just now getting started in your journey and you're not really sure where to turn, you're not sure if you should be an agent, if you should be a property manager, if you should go ahead and start buying single family homes, or maybe you should jump into the apartment space. And worse yet, you're not even sure how to go about the process of figuring out what strategy is best for you. I have a guide that recently dropped. It's the Real Estate Newbies Guide, and it's going to guide you through an assessment that helps you narrow down the exact real estate vehicle that you should pursue here come 2020. So again, it's the end of the year. A lot of us are trying to make brand new starts. A lot of us are trying to implement things that we, we've long lost views of. And I think this is a perfect time if you haven't yet gotten started to grab a hold of that guide and go ahead and start down your real estate investing journey. That guide is over at beforethemillions.com forward slash G-U-I-D-E. So that's beforethemillions.com forward slash guide. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so tip of the week is this. It's actually a commitment of the week or a commitment for the next quarter, actually, because here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a look at your business, your real estate business, and I want you to know that there is a ton of things that are going on right now. There's a ton of things that you need to tend to. There are a ton of things that you need to create, ton of things that you need to modify. And quite simply, you will never have enough time to do everything that's needed to be done in your business. So what I would like for you to do to make sure that you have a prosperous business, no matter what, is to start focusing dead set solely on the one key metric, the one thing that if you focus on this thing, will continue to move your business forward, no matter what else is lacking. So if you're a real estate entrepreneur and you're prospecting, you're making sales calls, you're door knocking, you're sending direct mailers, you're doing meetups. You're having Facebook lives. If you're doing cold calling and that is what's driving your business, I want you to focus on that one thing for the next 90 days from January 1st to March 31st of 2020 and not skip a single day. That's right. Not a single day. I'm reading a book currently right now called Atomic Habits and it ingrains in us how powerful habits are and how once we adopt the habit and we start noticing the incremental differences, getting better at something by just 1% every single day and because of the power of compounding by the end of the year, it is almost law that you'll be successful at whatever it is that you're doing, but you have to do it every day. Now, it's okay that you miss one day here and one day there every, every once in a while. That's okay. That's fine. Although I don't encourage it, that is fine. But what is not fine is you missing a day and you telling yourself it's okay, it's fine. And then you missing the day after that. Because once you've missed that second day, you've created a brand new habit. So for the next 90 days, find that one thing in your business. That if you pursue that one thing, if you complete that one thing, everything else becomes irrelevant or less important. 
And it's not going to be creating your business cards, although I know you think you need it. It's not going to be getting your website up, although I know you think you need to have your website up before you start making calls. It's not going to be your LLC. It's not going to be your new social media account. Again, I believe in most businesses, it's going to be on the sales and marketing arm. It's getting to a place where you give somebody the option to say yes or no. If you do that, that one thing, if it's that for the next 90 days, I want you to witness the transformation in your business. So I challenge you to that. And I want to be your accountability partner. Email me, Duray at beforethemillions.com, D-A-R-A-Y at beforethemillions.com and share with me your key task that you will perform every single day for the next 90 days, even if you don't have time. So if you set out two hours a day to make cold calls every single day, and then one day you, you don't have time, things come up, plans change, or it's a Sunday, you don't feel like doing it, promise me that you'll still get on the calls and you'll get on the calls for like 10 minutes or 15 minutes to continue the habit. If you're scared, if you're timid and you're just not starting out, you're door knocking or you're doing Facebook lives. It's okay to just go to one house. It's okay to just make five calls. The important thing is that you're showing up and showing up every single day is going to have a compounding effect. And if you have a few service lines like I do, I'm an investor and a coach and a speaker. I'm going to have one thing in each of those arenas. So how many people are we reaching out to every single day to get booked on stage? How many sellers am I having conversations with on a daily basis? How many clients am I helping build their business using my method, the motivated seller method? Uh, something that you guys don't yet have access to. As you guys know, the course uh, for everybody's coming out early next year. So each of your service lines, there should be one key metric. Let's get after that. First 90 days of 2020 and watch our business flourish. And now your feature presentation. So right, my entire life and, and how I knew it um, was completely thrown on its head um, due to a tragic accident that happened when I was a senior in college. This was in the summer of 2006. I was with six of my friends and my brother, and we got into a boating accident after a night of um, innocently having fun with friends, listening to music, eating and drinking. And the reason that this happened was I thought that I was okay to drive. And I was in the best shape out of my friends. And it turns out I wasn't. My friend passed away. Several of my friends were seriously injured. And suffice it to say, it was about the worst possible scene and outcome from an innocent night of having fun with friends in college. That event completely changed and defined the entire trajectory of my life, who I was going to become over the coming years, how I was going to live, and how I was going to show up and serve the world. And as a result of my behavior, I was charged with several crimes, as I should have been. And I ended up pleading guilty to my uh, crime of vehicular manslaughter. And I was sentenced to serve two to six years in New York State Prison when I was 24. Um, I spent the most of my 20s dealing with the emotion, the guilt, the the shame, the uncertainty of how did I cause this? How did I actually cause my friend to no longer be here? Trying to deal with the preparation of going to a world that I had no knowledge of how to survive in, right, in corrections. And then working to survive, grow, and thrive in an area completely devoid of any positivity. And then trying to reintegrate into society and build a new life that was free from a scarlet letter to not let a horrible, horrible tragedy and accident 
define me and how I was going to live the rest of my life. Because what I committed to was not letting this claim two lives. I wanted to take the fork in the road, right? We had a choice. We have a choice in anything in life, which is how we respond to things that happen to us or by us, right? So this was something that didn't happen to me and to us. This was something that was uniquely caused by a horrible lapse of judgment and decision and to take ownership over that, to forgive myself and to create a way of living that I could be proud of, right? Based in contribution and growth and helping serving others and trying to achieve that that ever elusive concept of redemption, right? After tragedy. And so for me, that's what I did. I recommitted. I spent three and a half years, which is how much time I served, um, growing myself spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, so that when I got out, I was in a really strong place to do just that, to recreate a life, right? Based on purpose and contribution. Um, I'm happy to say a month ago, I just hit 12 years clean and sober, which has been the foundation really of my um, entire life and, and, and success and journey. Um, and I was able to just also graduate from graduate school with a master's degree in real estate and finance at NYU after the first round getting denied by literally all schools within the first few months of getting released. I thought that was going to be my way to reintegrate and show society and my community that, hey, maybe we should give this kid a second chance. He does want to learn. He does want to repurpose. Nobody would give me a chance. And it was all because of the accident. Wow. So a, a couple different walls, and we can go into this later, is one, how do we deal with adversity in life, right? What What is the game plan, the mindset, the strategy, the plan for breaking free and breaking through to get to the other side, right? To not let events define us, but let events empower us, right? To direct our life for the better. And two is how do we how do we pivot, right? How do we realize that sometimes our plan for our lives is not the plan that whoever's pulling the strings upstairs has for us. For me, I thought it was going to Wall Street, climbing the corporate ladder, getting a JD MBA, doing the corporate route. Well, you know what? Life had other plans for me and it wasn't that because I made the decision when all those doors were closed to view that closed door as the opening of another, right? A whole new opportunity. And I made that decision right then and there, the summer of 2012, to be an entrepreneur in every sense. I had to create my life by design. I love that, by the way. That's our slogan. Creating your life by design through real estate. You get out of jail or you get out of prison and yep. you know, you're in a whole new world. It's what, three, three and a half, four years later, yep. you're having to reinitiate yourself back into society, really. And again, your plan before was corporate route, climb all the way up the yep. ladder. But after you got incarcerated, your plan completely changed. And a lot of doors that you thought were going to be open for you, they, they started to close on you. So what totally. door opened up or how did you open up the next door, the next phase of your life as soon as you got out? So I think for me, it was like many things in life, right? It was a little bit of a process, but punctuated by an epiphany moment, right? Like an aha moment. For me, that aha moment was the last letter that said, no, you cannot do what you thought and dreamed of doing, right? Which was going back, getting an advanced degree that qualified me for these new positions right on Wall Street. That wasn't going to happen. I just realized that, oh my God, like what I dreamed of as a kid is literally not attainable anymore. It was hard, right? It was damaging. It was discouraging. It hurt my, my ego, my self-esteem, my confidence. But I've developed an ability because that wasn't the first time a major door was closed or somebody said no, or I was facing adversity. When we gain perspective and realize that, you know, sometimes we just need to take a moment and realize that things could be so much worse. For me, I said, I've been through harder things. Let's just pause for a second. We've got to find a way through this, right? And in that moment, I had just this moment of clarity. And I said, you know what? I can't let anybody 
tell me again that I'm not good enough to pursue my dreams, that the purpose-driven uh, purpose life I want to live and be and known for and create should not be denied by somebody who's never met me, who's looking at an application on, on paper, right? So I said, what are the ways that, that I could create a career where I'm never in this position again, where somebody has that power over me? And I said, I have to be an entrepreneur, right? I have to be a business owner. I have to start things on my own where I'm in control and I own them. So I started to think that here, and this is what I teach a lot of our students and clients, is finding the intersection of what you're really, really good at with what you're passionate about, right? And create a career by design around that. So for me, I obviously didn't have a lot of tangible, practical, professional skills because I was, you know, my 20s, which are mostly spent working when you live a normal life, for me, were spent in another way. So I had never really worked other than a few internships, but I had now a bachelor's degree that I finished with my first few months being out because Syracuse University did let me back in to finish the four classes I had. I had a degree now in finance and economic entrepreneurship, and I always had an interest in real estate. So I said, all right, how do you get into real estate, right? Probably the best and safest way is get a license, right? Work from the ground up, earn contracts, properties, make some money, build a business that way. Even though for me, broker and agent work has been amazing to me, but it was always a means to an end, right? It was a way to unlock a new set of doors and paths that could go into investment development, you know, building a portfolio and an empire with real estate is the means to the, the end, right? To what you teach, which is building freedom. It's what I teach. I'm all about expanding freedom, right? And building, you know, a life of independence um, in all senses. So for me, it was, you know, ground up. Let's just get a license. I did it that summer. I did it on my laptop. It took me three, three or four weeks, I think, on the online course, got licensed, and I just put my head down. I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to start to build a business. And we can get into this now or later, but I went my first year, which was the next wall, right, with zero sales, no income, and $40,000 in debt my first year as an agent in business. I got my family and everybody like, just go get a real job, dude. This is not working out, but I didn't give up on myself. You had this, this pivotal moment again in your life to where you're like, dude, like, I can literally give up right now. Like this, it's been a yeah. whole year. I've been, you know, I've been out and I've been, I've been doing the things that I needed to do. I followed the rules. I went to go get my license and I'm actually, you know, out and I'm, I'm prospecting. I'm doing all the things that they told me to do. I'm following the rules, but getting still, it's not working out. And yeah. after that first year, you said again, $40,000 in debt and you have nothing, nothing to show for it. So again, I know where you're coming from. I know the, the life of a struggling, of a starving entrepreneur, but yeah. you know, everybody you saying, hey, here, go back to work. Go get a real yeah. job. Go put some money in your pocket. What, what made you steadfast? What made you stand and, and, and hold your ground and know that this was ultimately where you wanted to be? Yeah, great question, Dre. I, I think I attribute a lot of that to my really, really strong mindset and belief in myself. And I've cultivated that through these different parts or stages of the journey, right? Which is kind of the, the hero story of maturing and becoming who you're meant to be, right? And taking the lessons from the failures, right? Because, you know, we, we can't really succeed and reach fulfillment and self-actualization and realization until we fall, right? Until we fail, until we learn more about ourselves, because all the lessons are contained in the failures, not the successes. So for me, I developed an ironclad mindset when I was away that was commit relentlessly to your vision, right? For your, your life, your, your master life, what you want to create in this world. Be flexible on the means, right? Because sometimes the path is going to be a zigzag, right? The old entrepreneurial path. It's never a straight line. But persevere through all adversity and never give up on yourself. That's my mantra. That's my mindset. 
broken down top level. Obviously, there's other elements and systems to it, but that's it. So I said, you know what? When that 12th month hit, all the pressures, financially, family, else, elsewhere, um, I said, you know what? We're so close. How many people give up on the five-yard line, right? We are so close. This has got to turn soon. Here's the one thing I did really well that first year that a lot of your listeners that have any experience as an agent or in that sales business and real estate can relate to. One of the foundational skills you can develop is knowing how to list property and knowing how to list high-end property, building a portfolio and an inventory, right? That promotes you and your business and starts to sell in time. For me, I targeted the very top of the market. High-end properties, over a million dollars, luxury segment, they take a while to sell. But I developed $30 million in inventory in a luxury portfolio with over 30 listings my first year with a kid with no sales experience, no track record, who was still on parole in the small community where this accident happened and everybody knew who I was. So I developed, I would say, a career critical foundational skill that first year, which was getting people to trust and believe in me, what I could do for them. And that was the foundation that provided the springboard for everything else. Because in the 13th month, the first one sold, it was off to the races. We did like eight or 10 million that year. Now, Henry Ford has a quote that says, whether, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And <coughs> Love no, that. you had no experience before this, right? So I'm thinking about it. And I've never been in <laughs> I've never been in these shoes, but I could just imagine as a salesperson, right, what kind of mindset you need to be able to jump in the game because I jumped in. I started off in single family and I jumped straight to syndication within a few months because I was just like, dude, I yeah. have a million dollar properties. Like, how do I do this? A yeah. lot of people can't fathom that. Right. So what type of mindset work was needed for you to think that I'm going to jump straight to luxury, to luxury apartments, yep. straight to luxury? Real yeah. How did you how did you what made you think that was possible for you as opposed to everybody else that was around you? Great question. I think the best advice I could give for your listeners and audience is this. Even if you don't have experience or expertise dealing with high-end clientele, right, or high-end property or a sophisticated level, right, of product, people, mindset, everything in this life is, is, is learnable, right? I'm a firm believer in that. If you don't have the skills or the confidence to go out there and invest in building the skills and the confidence, right? And there's so much free information out there. I'm a huge huge lifelong learner and student of the world, my craft and basically everything out there that I'm interested in. And in the beginning, we don't have resources, right? But we have this, we have time. So what I would do is read every possible book you can in the space of what you want to get into. Watch, there's a ton of free video content now. I mean, YouTube is massive. It's the second largest search engine. Get on YouTube and learn from people that are doing it, right? Follow people like you, me, other people who are experts and thought leaders in their space that are putting out a lot of free stuff. You don't have to join a $25,000 mastermind to get a ton of value, right? So I would say, be a student of your trade and your craft, be willing to invest the time in developing it, and then be also realize, realizing and willing to commit to this whole idea, right, from Malcolm Gladwell. You got to develop a critical mass of hours and experience, right, to develop and expertise. And that's, you know, he posits it's 10,000 hours. I don't think it's quite that many because for me, it was all about action, right? Even if you, you know, you don't get it all right, just go, just go do, just go knock on that door. One of my first listings was a multi-million dollar 30 room hotel on a lake that had a for sale by owner sign outside. What did I do? I drove by, I saw that. I said, why are they not listed with a broker? I'm going to stop in there and see if they'll take a meeting and, and let me pitch them on a presentation to list and market their property. They were open to it. I went back two days later with a presentation I developed. I got the listing. Kid wow. with no listings, nothing, because wow. I believed in myself and I prepared and I learned what I had to do to present 
and I ask for the business. So it's confidence, skill development, and mindset, believing in yourself. You know, I started to think about role models that were possibly in your life at that time, Kier. And I had on the podcast yesterday, David Osborne, the writer of Wealth Can't Wait, uh, Tribe of Millionaires. And, 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 uh, yeah. Millionaires. and uh, we were talking about the fact that when you hang around certain people, there was a guy in Tribe of Millionaires, the main character, who was trying to grow his business. It sucked. He wasn't doing well. Money was going down the drain. And then his father passed. And he didn't know much about his father, but his father passed. And all of a sudden, he's getting to know his father's friends. And one of his father's friends invites him to, you know, kind of come partake and join the tribe that his father was a part of that he had no idea of. And the tribe was, again, the tribe of millionaires. The minute yeah. he started around these people, his thinking, his mindset, his strategy, everything started to elevate. Because, of, totally. because again, it was the people he hung around. And, you know, Simon, the, the main guy that kind of coached him through this, he told him, hey, right on paper right now, the 10 people that you hang around, write their incomes or what you think their incomes are and then divide it by 10 and write your income right beside it and see how close or identical they are. This is for income. This is for body fat. This is for so true. across the board. And I'm thinking, again, you at that early entrepreneurial, young, impressionable age, who were you looking, who were you seeking advice from? Where were you getting not only your willpower, um, but but your, your skills, right? You were learning, like, I mean, yeah. To people who have million dollar properties and you had you you have never had a property you know you never met anyone a buyer or a seller what yeah what, what was your sort of sphere of influence at the time that's a great question i think i did have a good established reasonably established network in the area because this is an area i grew up in so i people knew me unfortunately they knew me as the kid who got into the accident though right largely because that was my that was all over the news. It was, you know, a, a, a horrible tragedy and it was publicized like crazy. So unfortunately I had to kind of recreate an identity, but people still knew me, right? So it was leveraging both network as my firm believer, you got to leverage like what's closest to you, right? So the lowest hanging fruit, especially in any sales business is people you know, or people that know you, right? Or are one degree of separation away. So start small, build out. Two is Find uh, thought leaders, super connectors, people that um, I call super connectors that are really well connected business wise, that have a large Rolodex and usually that are in a client based service business, right? Could be really well connected attorneys, um, bankers, um, certified financial planners, accounts, people like that, right? Because those people can give you access to a ton of other people in a similar level of success, wealth, et cetera. And then also find the right groups of people socially to be interacting with. So for me, because I committed to a lifestyle that was free and clear of toxins, drinking drugs, anything like that, I wasn't going out to the bars, right? I wasn't spending my time out there on two in the morning, being the next day. I was getting up at 5 a.m., hitting the gym around other driven entrepreneurs, and I would meet people and expand my network that way. The other thing that was really big too was investing in this graduate program at NYU. So for me, I took the jump two years after I was denied from every program to expand my network further in a very um, by design kind of intentional way, which was research the best real estate programs out there, make sure it's in the epicenter of finance and real estate, which is New York City, and do whatever you can to apply and get in. And I did that and I got in. And that right there, Dre, was probably one of the biggest network and success expanders for me because now all of a sudden, my pretty strong network just became international with people that are connected, successful from all over the world that are now in New York City, 
investing in this as well to become world-class developers, investors, movers and shakers in the real estate business, private equity, you know, uh, ground-up development, all different facets of this great industry. And the, the biggest uh, relationship, too, that came out of this program, which everybody says graduate school is more almost for the network enhancement than it is for the curriculum, was this. One of my first professors my first year is now my business partner, mentor, and dear friend of mine at one of our companies, Odessa Realty Investments, where we've acquired over 2,000 apartments around the U.S. in four years, um, just shy of a quarter of a billion dollars in real estate. And we're building out a platform that was for me going to this program, seeking out my professor, taking him to lunch one day and building a relationship. So you've got to be intentional about this, right? By design, it's all by design. Think about where you want to be, put yourself in those circles, those rooms, and be willing to approach people. Take them out to lunch, pick their brain, see how you can serve them before you ever ask them for anything. It sounds like your your specialty was being on the agent side of things, right? And you know, the first year to you, start, yep. First year you did yep. zero dollars in sales. You you were wet behind the ears. Nothing was going right, but you were relentless. You didn't give up. And the second year, I think you said you guys did between eight and ten million dollars in sales, which is phenomenal. Yep. I want to skip. Yeah. I want to skip forward a few years, and I kind of want to get to the point to where you start to think about possibly building a few different businesses, right? So let's let's get to the point to where and you're looking to sell a property called Great Times Resort. And you're on the agent side. Yep. You've tried to sell this property. I want you to take us exactly to the story, to the scenario. I think this is the next phase of your life to where you really were like, hmm, this is amazing. I'm going to keep doing this. But kind of tell us that story from your perspective. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, and that'll help listeners to understand how a career right can evolve and take new paths. So I was a listing agent on a 100-year-old waterfront resort, 30-room boutique hotel, two restaurants up in upstate New York. Really cool place, great history. However, it was not managed well from the prior owner, Um, a lot of deferred maintenance, um, some service issues. And long story short, it was a distress, became a distress asset, which means it was encumbered by debt that couldn't be... um, you know, satisfied by its current cash flow. So it was facing bankruptcy. We had marketed for two years. Nobody could see beyond all the work. And my client was about to get foreclosed on. All of a sudden, two friends of mine from New York City, husband and wife team contacted me and said, hey, what do you got available for businesses that would be a similar income replacement to what we're making down in New York, which is hard to do when you move to the the mountains, Uh, but something that could be supportive of our lifestyle, which is we want to raise a family, get out of the rat race, and get up to a place we love, which is the mountains. So we looked at a bunch of stuff and then we kept coming back to this one. But there was a few things missing. One was they didn't quite have the capital and the strategy part of taking on such a big repositioning project, right? With all that work, marketing, renovation, project management, operation. And I, who had an interest in this, didn't have the bandwidth or the time to be doing the day-to-day management of a resort. So we said, could we form a partnership? and make this work and bring our varied but connected skill sets to the table. So we started to conceptualize it. We ended up writing out a vision, then supported it with a business plan. Then we took it to the seller. I recused myself from representing her because I now had a conflict of interest, brought in my broker to represent her on the sell side, on the list side. And then we basically negotiated an offer, going a little bit of equity and dignity, and us to get into the property. We renegotiated the debt with the prior owner. So we had an interest-only note for a year. It allowed us to get in there not be up against the wall on payments. We renovated everything. It was crazy, Dre. We closed in December of 2015. We renegotiated the debt with the private lender, who was a private or a previous owner of the property. And we got interest only for a year. And we got a principal reduction of almost 200000 So we really negotiated a good 
a good debt package that gave us breathing room. We closed the property down completely in December. We had what we thought was seven months at most to get everything renovated, uh, a whole staff recruited, trained, and ready to go and open for Fourth of July weekend because we could not miss the biggest cash flowing season, which is the summer there. So we basically condensed a normal, I would say, 12-month timeline to renovate into seven. Around the clock, seven days a week, three crews, 30 contractors, three of us project managing GCing this with no prior experience, <laughs> with no hospitality experience, wow. with no restaurant, food, and beverage experience, and no event experience. Three kids. I was 30, what, 33 at the time, 32. Partners were 30. It was a lot to take on, right? I personally invested and still have over seven figures in this. My partners have considerable, a considerable amount of money. Here's the beauty of this. We opened up in July of 2016. We just hit our third year in. We just won a series of awards for best hotel and number one best resort in the entire 6 million acre region that we're in against over 300 competitors and runner up for best fine dining and best casual dining for our two restaurants. And we've repositioned this, we've stabilized the asset, and we're continuing to grow and innovate and do new things as a luxury destination resort in upstate New York on the premier lake. So it's been a really cool turnaround story. Wow, that, that's incredible, Kier. I mean, what does that speak to? Like the fact that you're you're up against these, these people with tons of experience, who's been who, who have multiple properties, who've been in the game for years, who know how to how to how to um, how to revitalize some of these resorts. And you guys are thirty, and you guys are figuring this this out to the point where you're winning awards. Like, how how does that happen? That's a great question, and that's again, I think taps into a little bit of my mindset and approach for what I did to become successful as an agent, right? Which is you've got to be really teachable, right? You've got to be resourceful. You've got to be a, a go-getter and a self-starter. And you've got to put yourself around both people and skills that will get you to where you want to go, right? So what I did is I invested in, you know, reading a lot about this. I invested in a couple of um, people that I knew in the business that I could call and rely on. We had a, a food and beverage consultant that helped us. And I was just starting my program at NYU, so I started to have some confidence in underwriting, right, evaluating risk, uh, building a financial model, uh, budgeting a pro forma and projections. So it was putting, again, myself around these skills and the people that could mitigate the risk, increase the confidence, and allow me to execute a vision. You're teamed up with a pair of individuals who you said wanted to or about to or just recently moved to the mountains, and they were looking for a, a, a cash flow property that would support their lifestyle. Like It's so easy for you to hear that and be like, all right, let me go find this for you. Let me go help you. Let me go do this for you. But but most agents don't ever think about, well, how do I do that for myself? Like, Isn't that an incredible dream or incredible aspiration to have? Was that the first time that it really clicked for you that you can possibly be a part of something like that? Or had you already been laying the track work from before then? I think a little bit of both. Dre, I think it was a little bit of situational opportunity and seizing the moment, right? Because if we didn't buy this, it would have gotten foreclosed on and possibly shut forever. So for us, it was almost like a legacy play. Like my family has been going to this region for our entire lives. Um, you know, for me, it was a chance to create jobs, to create a a setting and a place where other families and people could come and enjoy this amazing region that I was so fortunate to grow up you know, coming to, right? So it was like very much a legacy play and not just for friends and family, for the public. So for us, it was part of that. And it was part of me 
just being entrepreneurial and enterprising, right? Wanting to diversify and expand out of this business and not just be an agent and a transactional broker, right? I wanted to do principal work, right? I wanted to be an owner, a developer, an investor. And so I looked at things through that lens as well. And I still do with my listings while keeping the agency head on observing my clients as a fiduciary, first and foremost, if I become interested in something that we have listed or that is listed by somebody else, I fully disclose my interest, right? I recuse myself if need be, and I go about it under the proper um, you know, agency protocol. But I think you've got to just change the lens, right? And the approach to it. So if you have an aspiration to do other things, then again, like we touched on, put yourself in positions where you have those opportunities. Because as an agent, you do get access to off-market deals, right? Trends in the market, things that are happening before the public sees it. So that gives you a really good advantage, right? And first leg up, first mover advantage, which can be really helpful. Um, and then again, you know, create a vision, right? For your life, chart it out. Like if you want to do these things, there's a plan. Like we talked about earlier, there's a plan to do anything you want. This, there's never been a better time in real estate or in life, right? Especially in this country to go after your dreams and actually achieve them. But you've got to create a plan, right? You've got to have it supported with a strategy and you've got to be confident and resilient and just go after it and take the nose and the doors that shut as just an opportunity to go down a different path, right? Because the people that don't give up are the ones that are ultimately successful because the ones that are most successful have failed numerous times before they ever made it in anything. I love it. I love it. I love it. Great advice, Kieran. And really quickly, walk us up until present day. With a fine-tooth comb, we've gone through the early setting of your entrepreneurial journey and how you began to build your business, how you started to think about building multiple businesses. Walk us up until present day. What are you currently doing Sure. Uh, great question. So right now we have, uh, let's see, four different businesses starting a fifth next year, actually, all in, I would say, real estate and lifestyle um, you know, uh, spaces. And in the real estate space, it's my luxury brokerage team, which I just moved from Sotheby's International Realty to Angle and Volkers, uh, which is really great because we're offering different services and private aviation, yachting, international uh, capital raising development, things I couldn't at Sotheby's where I spent my entire career. Um, the second is the hospitality um, company, a portfolio that has great pines. I'm actually buying a second uh, boutique hotel in the same region up there right now that we're under contract to close early next year, which is really cool. Uh, we're going to make it the first smart hotel um, in upstate New York, uh, meaning like think Alexa-enabled rooms, ski report, weather report, lights, you know, YouTube TV, all controlled by your voice. So we're really excited about that. Um, what else? Oh, I'm the senior vice president, uh, Dre at Odessa Realty Investments, um, head of acquisitions with, again, my partner who I mentioned to you was my finance professor at NYU, become a great friend and mentor. Uh, we are building out our bench and our portfolio, uh, mainly value at multifamily general partner shop, um, you know, sponsored that uh, partners with limited partner investors, you know, large scale funds and um, institutions and other high net worth offices, family offices, and people like that to buy. Um, you know, largely value-add, 80s vintage uh, multifamily. We improve these properties at a, a unit level, uh, facility level, adding clubhouse, um, renovating, retenanting, um, and usually selling after three or four years. So we're building that business. And we're also launching a ground-up hospitality division um, to be building some new construction, probably Hilton-branded hotels, um, possibly with modular construction methods starting next year um, in some of the markets we're in, which is mainly... Uh, Jacksonville, North Florida, uh, Chicago, and working at Nashville as well. We really like that that market. And then lastly, what I would say I'm probably most excited about right now is my multimedia company that we started a year ago. 
um, that's really focused on in real estate and entrepreneurship and all of this and paying it forward, empowering other people through different modalities of a digital course we have called Sophisticated Agent, helping people become the go-to number one agent in their market and really increase their income, their wealth, and their freedom um, to a new podcast we're launching next year to my uh, second book is inspired and we're launching um, a mastermind too, uh, directly, which is called sophisticated investor, which is really going to help people elevate, um, you know, their skill set, uh, their wealth and their freedom through this amazing, you know, world of real estate investing that, that you and I are so familiar and, and, and close to. So I would say, that's the summary of what I'm doing. I do less than 90 hours a week. I don't, I'm still working 80, 90 hours a week. So I still haven't cracked that one yet. Um, but you know, I'm 30, what I'm 36 single, no kids focused on the vision, the mission, the future. And I love what I do. It's very much a lifestyle and I wouldn't change it. However, I am trying to find ways to build my teams to manage things slightly differently more portfolio level so I can really go all in on a few things, right? The whole idea that one thing is really powerful. I'm starting to realize that you, there is a point, right, where you're bandwidth and you're just spread a little too thin and you're you're not, you just can't be fully committed to any one thing. So for me, I'm really trying to reorganize and evaluate where I place interest and be really intentional and deliberate about the investments of time, energy, and capital. Um, so that we're doing a lot of that planning now for 2020 and this new decade. And I just want to encourage your listeners you know, there has never been a better time, guys, than now to go after your dreams and your vision with unabashed, you know, uh, uh, no apologies, full commitment, full on game out and just play really hard because we're starting literally in less than three weeks, an entirely new decade, not just a new year, but a new decade. So I'm all about what are we going to do? What are we going to be known for? Where do we want to be in 10 years? Because now is the time to lay out that plan and vision. I love it. I love it. I love it. Here, let's get into a little bit of strategy before the last and final section of our show. I want to talk to sure. agents and I want to talk about thinking big and, and why a new agent can and should start in the in the luxury arena. Let's just talk about somebody who's entering a new market. They don't have any relationships. They don't have any connections. How do you enter a new market and become an instant power player? How do you elevate your price point? Sure. So I, I firmly believe that with, again, the right vision, right? For what do you want to do with your 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 brand, your business, your life, and building a strategy to support it, we can do whatever we want in this life. So I would say if your goal is to be working in the higher end segments, right? The the higher tier, the luxury segments, higher price point. And I don't see why your goal would be any other uh, than that for this reason that, you know, it's largely the same amount of time, a little bit more capital. But once you learn the clientele, right, and the approach, you're making far more per transaction um, and you're embracing the idea and concept of leverage in a much more effective way, right? Than doing, you know, 20 deals at 500,000, right? Versus 10 deals at a million. So understand the concept of leverage and where you want to be in the market, right? It's also a little bit easier to deal with a clientele as you kind of scale up the price ladder. Um, and I find it to be, for me at least, I'd rather be interacting and working with more. Um, affluent clientele, not like I have any problem, nor it's not like I would say no to work with homes and clients in the 300, dollars $500,000 range, which we do plenty of, but we do a lot in the multi-million dollar range as well. Um, my, the reason I say that is this, as you start to go up that wealth ladder, the opportunities for you when you're wearing other hats, right? And the different lens start to increase, meaning those owners, those clients often are diversified, right? Successful business owners themselves, entrepreneurs, 
um, investing. And if you look at them in a relationship to build not just a client um, relationship with them, but to build a friendship and possibly a business relationship beyond that, that's where you can really see some awesome opportunities arise, right? Meaning some of my clients in the brokerage business have turned into business partners, investors, have sent me deal opportunities, um, have expanded my network, being really a relationship you know, connector, a relationship manager, and an entrepreneur, not just an agent. And the other thing to do that, right? If you're going to, even if you're new and you're fresh and green right at the outset of your career, or if you've been in the business two, three, five, 10 years, and you want to get in to the high end, right? Break into that. Here's what you're really going to have to focus on. It really all comes down to this, your personal brand. You have to be focused on building a personal brand that speaks to your ideal client, right? And you have to get really, really precise on defining who's your ideal client avatar, right? Who's the person you want to work with? How much money do they make? Where do they live? Where do they go, right, to socialize? What boards are they on? What do they do for a living? You know, all these things you have to get really clear on. And we teach that in our course, the community. You got to write it out because how can you build a brand, marketing messages and materials that speaks to that person if you can't even define who that person is? Yeah, 100% agree. 100% agree. I resonate with that message and that's what I teach as well. I want to talk about somebody who's been in, in, in the luxury game for a while and who's who's been doing good numbers or maybe who, who, who's struggling to do great numbers and they're looking to elevate their price point and make more money in the market. How do they become the go-to? So again, it really, um, as I just mentioned, I give a couple more tactical takeaways and strategies. Right? It's really about building your personal brand. Your personal brand has to be one that speaks to your ideal client, right? So if you're trying to scale up into those luxury markets, you have to have a, 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 a feel and a look and aesthetic that speaks to that, right? So that doesn't mean off-the-cuff professional photos from 10 years ago. That doesn't mean a, a poorly thought out social media presence and design on your profiles. That doesn't mean ads that look like every other person's ads, right? Or direct mailing pieces that look like everybody else's that get shot right into the trash, right? No, that means you have to cut an edge, guys. You have to do things differently. For me, I was always embracing the idea of being a disruptor. I did things differently in my market, in my business, in life, right? And that's why I live an atypical, different life, right, than most, because of the fact that I cut against the current. When everybody's running one way, I try to find a way to run the other way, right, and justify it. And so I would say, find a way to cut an edge in the look, the feel, the way that you speak to your market, the way that you conduct yourself, everything from etiquette and dress to professional photos, the mood that you're you know, conjuring and, and trying to really convey, meaning the simple emotion that can be conveyed in a well-thought-out photo, right? A lifestyle photo or a view in market or a view looking at the camera working with a client can speak more than a thousand words, right? That's that's not untrue. Guys, like photos and, and the quality of imagery is really, really foundational in branding and in marketing. The same with a video, right? Because if, if photo can tell a thousand words, right? How many words can a video tell? Um, far more, right? Because then they're understanding your demeanor, right? Your personality, your level of expertise, and you know your level of being able to converse with somebody. So make sure that you're doing video because video is really you know, the, the future of, of content in the sense that I think by the end of next year, it's going to account for over 75% of all internet traffic is video-based content. So if you're not doing video, you need to be doing video. And there's two kinds of video. Highly produced video, right? In the studio with you know, a professional or out in the field with a professional with the right equipment. We do a lot of that at the property level for lifestyle and destination videos, for market update videos, et cetera. However, the other type is off the cuff video that's live, unscripted. You picking up your iPhone completely free, going Facebook Live or on Instagram stories or IGTV 
and putting out content, right? That speaks to your ideal client, market updates, talking about a new development. What, what does the lower interest rate environment mean for jumbo mortgages and luxury loans? Those are the things that people want to see from you. So you have to develop a content strategy, a look and a feel for your personal brand and be willing to do the things that others aren't, right? And just, you know, like I said earlier, have some confidence. If you need to practice in front of a mirror or do several takes before you go live, do it on your phone, watch it. See if you're making, you know, uh, stuttering statements or you're saying the same word over and over. Correct that, do it first and then go live. But again, the key is action. You gotta just take action. Now you were able to, to list 30 million in luxury real estate your first year. And you have some listeners who are like, yeah, times have changed. You can't do you know, what you used to be able to do. There's a whole bunch of things in the market these days. It's more competitive. Everybody wants to be an agent. Uh, there's technology. With all these massive tech you know, waves and even Amazon is getting into the real estate market, with all these changes happening, how can that agent stay competitive? What are some tips that you have for agents who think the times have changed and this is not a viable business model anymore? Boy, that's a great question, Dre, because there, if there's one constant, one theme right now in the real estate brokerage world, it is disruption, right? It has changed because it's never happened more rapidly than now with technology, with marketing, and with new models of doing business, right? At the discount level, the iBuyer, um, you know, companies that are well-funded with VC money out of, you know, the West Coast and, and New York City and elsewhere are trying to replace the agent, right, in the center of the transaction. This is a very real clear and present danger to this business and to the livelihood of being a realtor. However, there are things you can do to safeguard, right, to put up uh, barriers, to still excel and stand out, and to still really make an amazing living and grow your income and your wealth and your freedom through being an agent. But it still comes down to what I've been saying all along, building a personal brand, investing in the tech and marketing, and being client and service-based, right? where others offering discounted services or a company with somebody in Seattle on a phone line, you know, or Amazon eventually who's already gotten into real estate is trying to sell a home. If you think about it, the higher up you go in the market in terms of price point, the less and less risk or exposure you have to some of these trends for this reason. Hiring clientele really values relationships, right? They value getting expert counsel. They value working with somebody they trust and like. And that somebody is not going to be somebody they've never met sitting across the coast in an office in Seattle at Redfin or at Zillow, right? It's just not. So while that segment, the higher price point, is not completely shielded from some of these trends and disruptions, they certainly are in the near term, and it'll be harder for these to affect them in the long term. So that's another reason why you should really build your personal brand and business and strategy around getting in to the high end and working in those markets to be somewhat shielded from some of those trends that are impacting so many different segments and agents across the country. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite for the millions book? Who that's a tough one, man. Cause I read like 24, I read two books a month, 24 a year. So I've read a lot of books. Um, I read when I was away, I read the Western canon, the 250 most notable books of, you know, literature, philosophy, and history. This is tough. To narrow it down to one, it's really, really challenging. And I think the time I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick one. I would say that when I got introduced to personal development, what that means, right? Self-help, personal growth, life maximization, optimization. That was probably in 2011 ish somewhere in there. And one of the foundational books that I think is the pinnacle work that probably started this entire industry that we know as personal development was Think and Grow Rich. You've heard of it. 
you've read it, you know, assuredly. I'm sure many of your audience has. Napoleon Hill came out around the Great Depression chronicling what some of the world's and the country's most successful barons, business owners, and entrepreneurs and titans of industry at the time were doing. And it's all about creating a life by design, going after your vision, the law of attraction, bringing and manifesting your dreams. And it is a foundational, amazing read. So if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, go get a copy, Napoleon Hill, awesome, awesome book. Love it. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Hmm, interesting. I like, I'm a big fan of really strong routines, you know, like morning and evening and daily routines and certain habits. I embrace something called a, an 11 habit, like daily habit tracker. It's just a Google sheet. It could be done. You can create it on your phone or on an app. There's a lot of these out there that have like daily habits where you can check them off, right? You get like a, a point, it kind of gamifies it. But for me, I have 11 things that I try to do each day from drink five glasses of water, exercise, meditate, read the Wall Street Journal and current events for 45 minutes, read my book, write, um, write my gratitude journal, meditate, uh, all these, you know, review my schedule, uh, meet my three big goals for the day. These are things that if I hit, and I usually hit anywhere from nine to 11, but if I hit 11, I've had a great day. So I use apps that help me manage these, right? So one could be called Coach Me, Coach Me, great way to put in goals, gamify, you know, habits, uh, habit tracking and routines. Another is the five-minute journal. It's a great app. They also have a physical journal, but I like to do everything digital. There's a record. It's great. I spend a couple you know, minutes in the morning after I meditate uh, writing in there. It's a gratitude journal. There's a great quote every day that's really shareable, too. You can put it on social. It's, it's beautifully designed. It's three things you're grateful for, three things you're committed to today, and what you're grateful for, or um, sorry, what you're committed to, and something that's vision supporting at the end. And it's really, really cool. Five-minute journal. I believe it's free. Um, and they have a physical uh, copy too. So those two, Coach Me and Five Minute Journal. I love that. Those are new recommendations on the show. So I definitely appreciate that. And we'll look into those myself. Uh, what, do you awesome. enjoy most, what do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently defined? I would say just the, the freedom. Right? You, know, you, you, you know this, right? When you are an entrepreneur, when you are purposely building a life by design, you know, for me, freedom is the most important value in my entire life, because for so long, I had none of it. I was known by a number. I was told when to eat, when to sleep, when to use the bathroom. And for me, I only do things now that enlarge and expand my freedom and that of those around me that I care, I, I love, and I support. And so for me, it's the freedom to do what I want with who I want, when I want, how I want, and to do that in all aspects of life, professionally, personally, travel, we could get a snowstorm and I could just clear the schedule for a couple of days and go ski because I love to ski. You know, it's going, being able to go to events and being uh, um, part of high level masterminds or other amazing, you know, influencers and, and, and entrepreneurs and movers and shakers and being around people that can elevate my, my uh, way of thinking about the world, right? Um, my level of success, my level of interaction and just take my career, my life to new levels. So it's the freedom to do that. And, you know, with freedom comes responsibility and a path to freedom is also financial independence, right? Financial freedom, because it, it opens up choices. It gives you chances to do these things. It allows you room to, to invest and to take some calculated risks. So that's why I really recommend and advise building a business where you can be in the driver's seat, right? Do that as an agent first, but keep the lens in the hat of being an owner, a principal, an investor, an entrepreneur, 
and watch how your career can start to evolve, expand, diversify, and 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 be willing to take some of those calculated risks. But before you do that, get really good at one thing so that you build a reliable income stream, you build a reputation, right? You build some success, and then you start to expand out. I love it. I love it. I love it. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I would say the biggest thing that I'm really trying to um, rebalance uh, a little in my life is the time I do spend with friends and family. Um, as we know, right, when we have really big goals, we're ambitious, we have a big mission in life, sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice things. There's just so many hours in the day in the week. For me, I think sometimes that's been just quality time with family and friends. So one of my big goals I'm working on with my coach and therapist is really being more intentional and more present when I do spend time, right? Because it's not just quantity, right? It's more about quality of time, right? So when I'm spending time with family and friends, I'm not on my phone. I'm trying to go airplane. I'm being really present. I'm supporting them. I'm asking questions. I'm engaged. For me, I want to show up with energy and purpose to all my relationships. And I'm trying to really be intentional about that, especially in this new year and this new decade. Um, I think for me, I've put family, like my own family, starting a family, a little bit on the back burner. Not that I'm not open to it and that I don't want it eventually, but for me, I'm very purpose-driven right now. I had a very non-traditional, atypical 20s you know, in my decade leading up to my 30s now. I'm halfway through my 30s, and I feel like we're just getting the engines warmed, and I've got a really big vision to positively impact and influence over 100 million people in my life. So I kind of got some work to do there. Um, so for me, it's just it's striking balance, but also realizing being okay with this, which a lot of entrepreneurs aren't, and especially people that can't relate to the entrepreneurial journey and lifestyle don't really understand, which is this. We go through seasons in life, right? Where sometimes you're going to need to sacrifice things. And it's okay to do that, give ourselves permission. We start to see creating problems or we don't feel good about our choices and our trade-offs. That's when we should make a shift. So that's what I'm doing now because I just want to be a little bit more intentional and showing up a little bit better for some of the relationships in my life. But it's okay to not always have balance. Like people always say, you've got to have balance. you got to have balance. There's going to be times in your life where you have no balance, but that's okay. One tangent question right before we get to the last two. How and why did you go about finding a therapist? Sure. So for me, I'm a big believer in working with experts um, in all areas of life, right? Professionally and personally. Um, I've worked with several business coaches over the years. I've now become one. Actually, I just became a, a certified high-performance coach with Brendan Burchard, who's a, um, a you know great mentor um, and somebody I really look up to um, with his content. And for me, on the therapist side, I wanted to explore my relationships a little bit deeper. Um, I wanted to explore myself and my spirituality. I wanted to explore some other tendencies for me to, again, just be head down, work, work, work. And so I went about finding options for that because I'm so location independent. I travel a lot too, which you can relate to. I like virtual solutions. So there's a lot of virtual solutions now, which is great. One of which that I use is called um, Better... uh, I don't remember the name. Better Help. There we go. Not Betterment. That's the financial planning one. It's called Better Help. It's an app. You can do video or phone-based sessions with a therapist uh, based on your needs whenever you want a different frequency or cadence. It can be 30, 60 minutes every week, twice a week, once a month, wherever you want. It's super, super flexible, and it's been a really good solution. Another one is Talkspace. That's probably, the I'd say, the industry leader. A lot of people have heard of. You see a lot of their ads 
but that's a great way. I highly recommend looking into that if you're, you know, want like a virtual solution. And it's been good. I've gotten a lot out of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm actually really happy I asked you that question. Uh, you said BetterHelp was the first one. How, I didn't get the name of the second one. How do you spell yep. that? And the second one is Talkspace. So T-A-L-K space, Talkspace. And the first was BetterHelp. Awesome. 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 Love it. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I would say my parents, Andre, my father, you know, was such a dear friend of mine and a mentor, somebody who I love so much to this day. And I lost him, unfortunately, three years ago. He was with me through thick and thin, was my biggest advocate along with my mother and my brother and would come and visit me. All of them would when I was away in my darkest hour and never gave up on me. And in doing, they helped me realize that I could never give up on myself. And they instilled in me so many foundational values I carry with me today. They taught me to be a lifelong learner and student of the world. They taught me to be a person of integrity, to be trustworthy, to value others, to be generous and compassionate. And for that, I'll never, I'll, I'll never be able to pay that back. I was so fortunate to have that growing up. And they were the foundation of support to get me through the hardest times in life that I attribute a lot of my success today to. I love that. I love that so much. Shout out to the parentals. I love that. Uh, last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Great question. I think sometimes we get in our head, right? Sometimes we get discouraged. I think a lot of it's a mindset game, realizing that you don't need to have all the answers, right? All the skills or any experience to just get started. You know, just take action, put one foot in front of the other and start down your path. But if you don't define the destination and your vision, how can you create a path that ever gets you there, right? So planning is everything. I'm right now going through the last stages of my personal and professional planning for 2020 in this next decade. I love this time of year because I spend several days, personal retreats, up in the mountains, away from everything, right? My day-to-day. And I get really granular on visioning, vision boards, planning, my businesses, strategies and tactics that underpin to make sure I'll get there. What resources, people, and things am I going to need to invest in and marshal to make sure these goals get accomplished? It's also time of reflection. What went well this year? Where did we achieve it in our goals? Where did we fall a little bit short? How do we change and pivot for the next year? If you're not doing that, guys, please, please make sure you start doing that because I attribute a lot of my success to my adherence and my strong commitment to planning and to visioning and to always evolving in both of those areas. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Keir Weimer. Keir, this has been an amazing podcast interview. If the listeners want to learn a bit, little bit more about you, they should actually reach out to you. Where can they do, do some of those tasks at? Uh, the best way would be on my website, which is KeirWeimer.com, spelled K-E-I-R-W-E-I-M-E-R.